Welcome to Stories Still Unsung with Alamance Achieves, a podcast dedicated to highlighting voices from our community. I'm your host, Sylvia Ellington, and the conversation starts now. Welcome, Lashana. I know you're joining us wearing a number of different hats as both founder and consultant with Seeds of Change, also as a farmer, community organizer, and a faith leader. Only just a few of the many hats that you wear in our community. So we just want to welcome you into the space and joining us for the, the podcast, the second season of our podcast. So welcome, Lashana. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate y'all and the work that you're doing in community, and I'm really glad to be here with you today. Thank you. I always enjoy being in a space with you, so I'm really excited for our conversation today. But before we begin, we always like to start with a little check-in question. So the check-in question for today is, what is a food that reminds you of your childhood? Oh, what a beautiful question. Um, it's got to be okra. It's got to be okra, y'all. Like, uh, okra reminds me of my childhood, reminds me of um, both my great-grandmother and my grandmother who were really influential in my life. And I'm so fortunate and privileged to have had both of them, um, you know, in my formative years growing up. And um, they were both really good cooks. And um, okra was always a staple in, in, in the household. They, they would cook it a variety of different ways. Um, but yeah, definitely okra stands out to me as, as a, a favorite, as a childhood memory, something that kind of like really, um, gets me settled and grounded and thinking about my ancestors for sure. I love that. And I've never asked you this question, but even I know okra means so much to you. Just hearing other people talk about your love of okra. And when I was thinking about this question, I think the first thing that came to mind for me was spaghetti. And I always tell people I have this like love-hate relationship with it because we had it so often growing up. But then when I left to go to school, which was only from Graham to Elon, it became something that I really missed. And now living on my own, I think it brings me a lot of comfort because it reminds me of home and just like having dinner at the table with all the family. So definitely for me, spaghetti. So I kind of just wanted to set a little bit of context for Alamance County. I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are from Alamance County or have maybe some some history, but for possibly for those that don't, often when we think about Alamance County, we kind of juxtapose the city. So the eastern and western part of the county, like thinking about Burlington and Elon, with the more rural southern parts of the county, like Graham, Saxbah Hall, Snow Camp. And typically those conversations tend to focus on poor whites and poor white farmers, which is a part of a larger national narrative that we often hear. But we also know that throughout our history and throughout our nation's history that black farmers have really been a part of, of the movement in this, this counter, counter narrative and resistance, especially when we think about like self-sufficient living and sustainable practices. So black farming has this really rich legacy and means of resistance, thinking about providing for oneself and one's community and also connecting back to the nature. But we also know that farming can also harken back to some, some times that people may wish to forget thinking about legalized slavery and also sharecropping. And I've heard you talk about this, Lashana, but what has it meant for you to be a Black farmer choosing to farm in Alamance County? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, for me, um, 
it it it's a journey for me. Uh, and so when we and when we ask the question, what does it mean? It means a lot of different things. It means uh, being rooted and grounded and connected to creation, for one. Um, and that's something that I I've taken for granted for a long time, for a good portion of my life, being rooted and grounded and connected to creation um, has come with a little bit of a struggle for me. Uh, and, um, and I do think it goes back to just what you said, that there's um, uh, some trauma uh, around uh, legalized uh, enslavement of of. African folks here in this country on this soil and that really being um, a part of who I am, even though I wasn't enslaved, uh, but my ancestors were. So I think the connection gets uh, really, it gets really difficult to embrace when you put in um, the historical context of how uh, Black folks have, have been treated in this country. And so being able to come back to the land because it's actually a sort of a, a circling back for me. It wasn't uh, it wasn't something that I embraced without a lot of healing and uh, trauma work that I had to do to be able to do that. Um, it, it's it's everything. It's it's my healing. It's my uh, grounding. It's my um, it's my source of connection to my ancestors when I think about uh, farming and being a black woman farming. And then along that journey, it's also uh, it's also my own legacy that I want to leave for my children and my family. I want my I want my kids to see that uh, that we are we are people of the dust. That we are we're supposed to be working the land. We're supposed to be good stewards of the land. We're supposed to embrace all the love and care and the nurture that comes from the land. Um, and and of course, food is part of that because we can grow food and nurture food and cultivate food um, from the land. But then there's just an element of just being outdoors, right? Like be outside get your hands in the dirt get your feet in the dirt experience this because it's life-changing and then that final element that I will talk about as far as um what it means to me as a black woman um to, to choose to farm uh, at this part at this point in my life it's really an act of resistance as well um it it's it certainly uh be, be choosing to farm at this point in my life is not because i think i'm gonna you know get rich quick or anything in my mid-40s not at all uh it it's an active resistance i look around and i survey uh, surveyed the landscape in elements county and survey what we uh, what i see at farmers markets and i'm not seeing very many people that look like me um, and so the act of resistance is to say that we black people in Alamance County, we do, we do love the land. We do love our food. We do want to be a part of our local food economy. We do uh, want to be situated in these conversations and be at the table or be in the room or sit on the couch or some way of being involved in food and uh, food network here in Alamance County. So it's an act of resistance. It's my, it's my way of building my seat pulling myself up to the table and saying that we will have a voice, uh, we will show up, uh, we will be in this, and Alamance County should know that, uh, that it's not not only, you know, white farmers in this, in our community that, that are growing food and, and, and want to be a part of, of our local food economy. So the active resistance definitely keeps me motivated and going and doing, um, but then also those other elements of healing and care, connection to the land, connection to my ancestors as well.
Lashana, thank you so much for sharing that. It, it makes me think, you know, we had a, a conversation previous to this and you really called kindred seedlings like your act of anti-racism and really what it means to be a steward of the land. And you said something to me that I think was, was really profound. And you said, people will know that Lashana cared about the land, set an example for other Black people and that our hand belongs in the soil. And I, I I can only speak for myself, but like when I heard you say that, like that was just so powerful and I could really see this like as, as your calling. And like you said, I know a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of healing has gone into that, you know, to get you here, but I just, it, it feels like, you know, something that you're like meant to do, meant to be a part of. Um, and so I'm excited for, for other people to get to be a part of that as, as part of your community and your, your community. Um, of care. So I just, I want to talk about that journey of kindred seedlings. You know, it started as something in, in your backyard and now you have a farm. So can you talk a little bit about that journey and, and what that has looked like for you? Yeah. Well, it's like, I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store. Um, just really get excited to, to, to think about the journey and also to embrace like all the fail the failures and the struggles and all the things. So um, kindred seedlings actually began in the dining room um, in, inside the house. I had no idea what I was doing um, and I was gonna do it. And so lots of dirt, lots of little cups and seedling cups and seeds and lots of struggle. Um, and um, from that, yeah, it just began to start doing things in the backyard, and um, then the name kind of changed to Kindred Seedlings Farm after we um, we got the, the purchased 20 acres of land in Southern Alamance County, but, but the humble beginnings of just wanting to be out and be seen and allow folks to know that there are Black folks who are in the dirt and doing things, um, was really the beginning and uh and so you know we keep the seedlings piece in the name because we we believe that we'll be um part of our journey is to educate others and to um tell people that hey you you could grow food too you don't have to have 20 acres of land you can grow in a pot you can grow in your backyard you can build a raised bed that there are so many ways to experience this and part of that what I really would want to do as I go forward is um, to help people redefine what farming is I think our language has become so colonized in this country that um, we believe that farming is thus and so it's like you know, row crops or lots of acreage. Um, but there are so many people doing brilliant things in their backyards on small pieces of land. Um, and I want to like redefine that and be like, yeah, anytime you put your hands in the dirt, anything that you grow, if you want to call that farming, that's farming too. That's part of uh, what what I'm I'm challenging myself to do and push forward in doing um, in in Alamance County and abroad to like redefine and start changing our language and shifting our language to be more inclusive of other folks who are in this work, want to be in this work, have centered themselves and gotten themselves grounded um, in the work of, of land stewardship in whatever way that is. Um, so yeah, that, that's our start. And, and, and I would say we still believe we're still in our starting kind of startup mode, you know, just still um, learning and growing and doing and certainly building, um, building as we go along the way. So for sure. So, so what is, Kindred seedlings mean for you and your community of care, and how 
how does that part of your your freedom dream or your dream for a liberated future? Mm, beautiful question. Oh gosh, I think um, you know, like you said in the beginning, I'm, I wear many hats in community. And I think, you know, this is where the hat of community organizer comes in for me. So certainly it's about farming. Certainly it's about being, you know, ordained faith leader and a parent and all the things, but this is where like community is everything to me. Um, I give to community. I receive from community. I'm situated in community. And I think, um, the love and the support that folks in Alamance County have shown us is absolutely overwhelming and incredible, like overwhelming in a good way and incredible and something that I had to learn to embrace. So as a giver and a person who's, you know, typically showing up in those times of, you know, certainly when, when I'm a pastor, so, you know, in times of, of need and support like that, that's my role. I get it. I, I know how to do it pretty well. Um, but to receive that back is a big, big deal. And so it really took me, uh, you know, I, I call it, this is some growing up I had to do in my mid forties. I had to grow up and learn how to receive love and support back from community. And it has been incredible. Oh my goodness. I, um, I flat out rejected a, 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 a fundraiser. I said, no, 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 people shouldn't, uh, we don't do that. We just, we'll, we'll, we'll make it, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And my friends are like, people want to support you, let them. People want to come out here and help you clean up this property, let them. And so I just started opening up more and being more vulnerable. I think this is where some of my vulnerability came in. Um, you know, as a strong woman trying to do my thing and I don't need nobody's help. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is this is what's going to sustain Kindred Seedlands Farm because community has already said, even before you put the first seed in the ground on this land, we're going to be here to support you and we're going to give money to it and we believe in what you're doing. And these are white folks. These are black folks. These are Asian folks. These are Latinx, Hispanic folks. People of all races, multi-generational coming out to the farm with their, you know, with their gear on and their boots and their shovels and their rakes and all of their equipment, lawnmowers, weed eaters, all the things um, coming out to the land and saying, we love you, therefore we love this land, we love your vision, we're going to back you and support you. And so I think, um, I think community is everything. And I believe that when we uh, when we can center ourselves in community, uh, we, we won't all agree on everything. We won't all look the same. Uh, however, I believe if we can create the, the right environment for people to feel settled, feel loved, feel supported, feel grounded, and feel held, that's when real freedom dreaming can happen. When we're running around trying to other folks and push people away and people people are working in silos and not coming together and not willing to work together. I believe that's when we continue to be stifled. Um, ultimately, racism continues to run rampant. But I believe that there are conditions that we can create um, with a lot of love and care um, and ultimately belonging, because that's really what we want. We want to belong. We want to be settled in a way that we know we belong and we have the support we need then I believe that we can be well enough 
to Freedom Dream to say, yeah, what, what are the possibilities for Kendrick Seedlings Farm? What are the possibilities for Alamance County? What are the possibilities for these United States? And so that we can then begin to, um, to, to actualize and be able to see um, the fruits of our, the fruits of our labor in this work. And so I, I'm excited. I have hope. You know, I, I don't, I, I know we can look around and see a lot of really horrible things happening in the world, uh, but, but I have hope. Uh, and and I, I feel like I'm situated around community members who have hope um, and not like, you know, pie in the sky, but like, look, we can, we can do what we want to do. Uh, we can dream this and we can see this and um, liberation is literally right here in our hands. And so how do we how do we cultivate that? How do we bring that forward uh, so other people can experience? So um, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. I'm really excited about uh, what I'm hearing in community. I'm really excited about creating, um, you know, really a community of practice around Kindred Seedlings Farm and any other initiatives that come forward at that land. I remember when um, you kind of talked about it just a little bit, but I'm going to go back and say when I first put my feet on the ground at Kindred Seedlings Farm. I knew I was supposed to be there. Um, Kindred was, um, uh, uh, the property was owned, owned and cultivated by black farmers before I, before I came there. And I didn't know them. I didn't know anything about them farming. Uh, I hadn't read the history of the land. Uh, I was invited there. And when I stepped out, I said, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then I went on my journey of trying to figure out who were the people here who cultivated this space before um, I became the steward of it. And I found that they were uh, incredible, brilliant Black farmers uh, who cultivated that land right here in Alamance County. They're both deceased now. Uh, and so I get to carry on part of their legacy from being on that land and cultivating it before me uh, and then bringing in what I know and what I love as well. And so I think the, the marriage of the two, um, the old, the former, uh, and what the newness is bringing into the space is just going to be mind-blowing. Uh, it's already mind-blowing, already liberating. Um, and that's what gives me hope and joy and all the things around freedom, just knowing that uh, that the support has already been there, knowing that people have already said that they will continue to support and show up. Um, and, and to me, that's sustainable. When the community says yes, that's what sustainability is. Uh, not just my idea, but our idea. Not just my land, but our land. Not just what's coming up in my mind, but what we're able to freedom dream and tap in together. This is this is my second time hearing you tell that story, but it's still like I can feel my my body getting chills when I hear you talk about that feeling of of stepping onto the land, and I can't even imagine what that would feel like or what that did feel like for you to, all, the, the phrase that comes to mind is just like giving life to the land that already had a soul, you know, to that that rebirth and what that, that looks like for you. And like you said, that to have community already say yes before, before anything has even happened because they believe so much, not only in you, but also just in, in what you stand for and those values. And I know, we've been having a lot of conversations. We read Emergent Strategy, and I know you also did a book club on that, but we recently read that book as a team. And one of the things that has consistently stuck out to us is this phrase, like creating the conditions for change. Like, what does it look like 
to support and build relationships with the community and to, to be connected in that way where we can support each other and have communities of care and really think about being there for each other before we're trying to, to go about creating this big movement when we can't even begin to, in, in small ways, support each other. And so when I, when I think about this work that you're doing and, and your community of practice and all the other visions that you've talked about for what Kindred is and will be and could be, like it just, it feels like, like you said, this movement, this this community and, and something that, that can be sustainable because you have that that support. And so I, it makes me really excited to, to see what Kindred can do and what, what's already happening in community. Like, it just makes me so excited um, to see, to see that work happening. And like you said, for people to know that it's possible, that liberation is right in, in your hands. And I heard you talk about your barn church um, and what that could look like. So that also makes me really excited to, to just know the, the possibility. Yeah, no doubt. Can I speak on the barn church for a second? Yeah, um, appreciate all that. I, um, I'm excited. I'm excited um, to bring in a spiritual element um, to the farm. It's definitely uh, who I am and uh, how I show up in the world, but then also um, really learning from some mistakes in, um, you know, being a pastor and being, uh, being in, in the Christian church all my life, um, certainly still um, profess to be Christian, um, you know, still ordained faith leader, and you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a both and for me, and uh, realizing some real harms that have been done in the church, uh, realizing that um, there are many elements of the Christian church that don't reflect who I am as a human and, uh, and how I want to be seen in the world, and, uh, and, and so I really want the barn church at Kindred to be a place where all faiths can gather. Uh, and all faiths and no faiths can gather, uh, where it, where folks can experience um, however they show up in the world in their spirituality um, or or lack thereof, uh, and um, and it's going to be rooted and grounded in nature. And um, I'm excited to talk about it because this this week we began to um, carve a path through the woods for. Um, our walking trails at the barn church and so if you can just imagine the barn being there off to the side of the barn is a wooded area that we're going to be just kind of making a path through for folks to be able to walk to meditate there'll be stops along the way for people to have an experience in in nature um certainly there's going to be an educational piece to it so there are going to be things to read and see and do out there um but, you know, as I continue to imagine and, and uh, dream about what the Bond Church can be, um, it has been very made, made very clear to me that it is a place that is rooted and grounded in nature. Uh, and, uh, and this is where we can experience how, whatever comes up for us in our faith, in our spiritual walk. Uh, we, can, we can experience any of that in nature and we can be authentically who we are without people having to put uh, uh, certain values on us and how we ought to ask and how we ought to show up. It'll certainly be non-traditional. So I'm not imagining having church at 11 o'clock on a Sunday, um, but it'll be more of an opportunity to gather and experience. And we're also thinking about 
partnerships and community, like other folks who are doing this brilliant work in community, how can we collaborate? Because that's another thing that I see in Alamance County, that there's lots of brilliant work happening, but we do it in silos. And so I want Kindred, um, Kindred Seedlings Farm, Barn Church, all the different initiatives to be a place of collaboration where other folks can come in and do their brilliant work as well. Um, because I've, I've also been a firm believer that um, scarcity and lack have, um, have really snuffed out our potential of freedom dream. This idea that we don't have enough, this idea that there's, you know, that we have to fear each other because we, we're not gonna have what we need uh, is something I really wanna challenge and I wanna model a different way of being in that we do have enough that we, uh, we have abundance. Uh, and with all the abundance, all the brilliance we have in Alamance County, there's no reason why we can't see changes happen. There's no reason why we can't have, offer ways of belonging uh, for folks in our community. So those are just some of the things that we're, that we're thinking about. And certainly the barn is gonna be that central element uh, and it is a historical piece that has been there um, from the original stewards of the land uh, the white family, and we're, we're we're bringing that back to life, and um, making that a space where we can gather inside um, to, for one, remember and think about the farmers who stewarded the land prior to us, and then, like you said, we're breathing breathing life back into that um, to think about what we can do together going forward, along with the trails that we'll have on the farm as well. No, and I, I appreciate you sharing that excitement. I know for me, sometimes like that, that imagining and visioning piece, it's like, what does it sound like? What does it feel like? And what does it look like? And just hearing you talk about it, I can see this like picture emerging and it's so vibrant and so beautiful. So I can't wait for, for folks to, to be able to experience that one day. I know it's going to be something so beautiful and so I don't know. I know this is a podcast, but I don't have the words to like describe that, like what that feels like or what that could feel like. But I know that I know there's this little warm feeling in my heart just thinking about what what that looks like. So I appreciate you sharing sharing that dream of of what you hope that kindred can be and what it can look like for our community. And and it, like you said, it goes beyond just farming. It's thinking about collaboration and partnership and healing and continuing a legacy that's already been there but also creating your own um for not only for you but for your children and for for our community and I think that that's that's so beautiful um that's so beautiful to think about so of course being element achieves and and thinking about education this is a bit of a shift but I did want to also include for us to think about like what the role of the food system plays in in our education system and what that means for our children um our kiddos that are in school you know this has been a topic of conversation for for generations and i know that this is not something we can solve overnight but just thinking about food and i know that you you've been a part of a lot of these conversations both you know on a local level but also even beyond that you know at the the state level as well thinking about what it means for for children that are experiencing food insecurity and what that means for not only their development but just also how they get to show up in the classroom you know i know for me i haven't had breakfast yet and i'm i'm already a little hungry and distracted so i can't imagine what it what it's like for young kiddos to show up day in and day out, um, not knowing when they're going to get their their next meal. 
but also just thinking beyond food security, but but food justice and food sovereignty to not only just have healthy meals that come from a prescribed list of foods that we've deemed good and healthy, um, but also, like you said, to to be stewards of the land and to really have have a choice and get to define what that looks like for them, what what nutrition and food looks like for them. Um, so now that's a, that's a big topic, um, but just thinking like, what does it look like to bring our community together to, to heal the land and to share skills and knowledge about sustainable practices um, that end food apartheid? And I know that that's a big conversation when we think about Alamance County, that's something that's consistently brought up, just what it looks like to have Harris Teeter, Publix, and you know, so many grocery stores within a mile radius. But then if you look at a different part of the county, all you really have is like Dollar General or Family Dollar, um, just the, the juxtaposition of our county. But then what it means for, for folks like you and for farmers to be creating and, and, and really growing their own food and to have that, that determination and that power. Mm-hmm. How long's our podcast? Wow, I could probably go on for two hours or more. I won't, but let me let me start by saying um, that it's not a shift. Um, we've been talking about education the whole time, so we're going to just keep on with our conversation in the form that we've had. Here's what I'll say to begin with: um, when we first started talking about um, you know the food from our childhood, um, that's where it begins our childhood, I'm able to pull back, pull back in memories from when I was a very young child with my grandmother and my great grandmother and okra and foods and family and all the things. Sometimes I can't even remember what I did last year in my mid forties, but I can tell you what happened to me as a child. If we don't start with our children, we are now at risk of harming an entire generation of children. That's where I'm at with it. We have to start with the children. This is where we learn. This is how we retain information. This is what informs us as we come into adolescence and then become uh, adults. This is what informs us it's in our childhood and so if we're situated in a school system that does not value food education guaranteed we have messed up a generation and when they get my age they will not value food period like we could debate it all day we could talk about it all day but this is how it this is how it works and so we've, we, we're, we're, we're doing our young people a disservice when we don't tell them the truth about food and agriculture, certainly in, this, in, in our community here in Alamance County, but also all across these United States. We do our children a disservice when we don't say to them, you know what, a lot of how our food system got set up, it happened over 400 years ago and it was set up wrong, and that's how it continues to be wrong today because we have not changed the way we do food in this country. I'll start by saying that. I'll also say, 
that there's no quick fix or easy fix and we have to continue to do something and so here, here here's my problem with 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 some food with food stuff in in the school so I could, as a farmer, I could probably go around the schools here in Alamance County. And I know Elon University does a lot of this brilliant, great work around school gardens. I can think of a handful of folks over at Elon, brilliant thinkers, community folks, working on these issues, doing, going, doing school gardens. The problem is, well, the, the beautiful part is kids get to come out, get their hands in the dirt, um, Think about food, see what they're cultivating. It's growing, it's producing all the things and they can't eat it at school. And so the beautiful produce that these young thinkers are able to cultivate at the school building, they can't actually harvest, bring into the school building and eat. That is a system level issue. It's a system level issue that we have in this country that in, the, in, in North Carolina, let's keep it local, in North Carolina, that we have shut the door to local produce, but opened the door to foods that are not nutritious um, for our young folks. And then again, we, we, and, then, and, and then we know that when children don't eat well, they don't perform well, all other kinds of things happen to our young people, right? So if we want to start somewhere, we can start right there. Why can't we eat what we grow at the school? Why can't our local farmers bring produce, fresh local vegetables to the school to be prepared for our young people to consume while at school? We want to start, we want to do some work, let's start right there. Because everything is contingent on food. We can't live without it. We can't learn without it. And so if, if we want some ground zero kind of kind of things to tap into, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, for, 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 for local folks, folks working in education system, let's do it right here. Let's start here with food. Food, food intertwines all other systems. And I and I'm a firm believer, and this is why I'm in, I, you know, I, I, I own the system that I'm situated in, along with organized religion, Christianity. Those are the two main systems that I kind of navigate on a regular basis almost every day. And so the part part of the problem that I see is that uh, we fail to tell the truth about it. We just won't tell the truth about it, that this is how things got situated. And uh, and, and here's some things that we might be able to do to 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 change stuff. Uh, and so when we think about young folks, I think I think young people have to know. Young people have to know. So what can Kendra do? What can Kindred do? Um, Kindred is going is will always be a learning opportunity for young people, um, and so I imagine the space being um, being part of field trips. Bring those young folks over. Let's walk the land. Let's talk about the history, who occupied the land, how they were able to to be uh, successful farmers in Alamance County. What happened to the land in the in between time when the original uh, landowners uh, were no longer living and no one was farming the land? And then how did I become the steward of the land now? Uh, what can we do together when it comes to land? What can young folks really begin to lean into? Why is it important for us to be connected to the earth, uh, to get our hands in the dirt, to really begin to cultivate and grow? Why are those things important? Because I believe in those formative years, if we can reach enough young folks, we won't have to skip another generation of farmers. 
that we'll all we'll always have folks who are connected to the land. And as we continue to redefine farming and realize folks don't need to be on 20 acres of land to be a farmer, but they can do their backyard garden, they can do their container garden, they can do whatever they want to do. Then we've opened up more possibilities because we've had folks in a certain way of thinking about farming for so long that people feel like it's not attainable. I can't be a farmer. How can I be a farmer? I don't have that amount of land. And so as we decolonize language, as we begin to situate ourselves differently, as we begin to reach more young folks, I do believe that we can begin to see a change in our food system, both locally and globally. Also, I want to throw in there that yeah, there's always opportunities to sort of, you know, I think um, we, we, there's always opportunities to kind of uh, work within systems and and try to change, you know, the status quo and and all. And I and I'm a firm believer in that, and I work in that, and I do that. And it's not an either or for me; it's a both and. Folks are building new systems that work for everybody. And so I would I want to imagine Kindred being a way to build the new and not necessarily work within the confines of colonized systems that haven't worked for anybody, really. Uh, certainly, you know, we can look at we can look at data and say, oh, it's working better for some than others. But when we look at globally, our systems don't work for anybody in this country, right? And so I, I believe that there's an opportunity to build new um, and build and build it with young folks. And so when when I think about elements achieved in the work um, that we've been doing for the last few years, um, I just really believe that uh, all that we're in a critical moment now where um, um, true truth telling um, is really important. Um, and um, and and I, I'm also a firm believer that young people can handle the truth. That young people, um, they're they're hungry for the truth, um, so they can learn how to situate themselves and learn how to grow up and, and be meaningful, productive folks in our our society. Um, and I just think we we've, we've done a lot of harm and a lot of damage by not focusing on food and ag, um, not telling the story of the history of food and agriculture in Alamance County. Um, so folks can see the big picture and figure out ways to change um, change what we see. So I'm, I'm very motivated. Uh, again, I use the word hope because I, I, I come from a people of hope. I come from a people that hope was a strategy for, um, for survival. Um, and, and so I, I tap into what my ancestors taught me a long time ago, that you got to maintain hope. Uh, you can't give up. You have to stay in the struggle and you have to maintain hope. And so I use that to drive me and push me, uh, even on my low days when I look around the world and all the, all the things are happening and it doesn't seem like we're going to ever um, see any changes. I tap into that hope and I say, we are the change that we've been looking for. Uh, I am part of that change and I, I, need, I need to keep moving and doing um, the best that I can to make the changes that I want to see in the world. So um, uh, when it comes to food, I think it starts with our children. When it comes to food, I think it starts um, with telling the truth, ground zero for race, racism, classism, uh, all those things are situated about around food and ag and access to land and um, those types of things um, 
and uh, and I think on a local level, I appreciate the 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 work that Elon is doing around around school gardens, and we need to we need to change policy so that food that children are growing and experiencing that opportunity to have their hands in the in the dirt at school, they can then they can then go in the classroom and have a plate of those greens or eat those carrots or have that tomato um, that they're that they're growing at the school. Um, when it comes to like food apartheid, and maybe I'll situate this around. Uh, our, our charity efforts. Um, I'm, I'm also a firm believer that um, when folks are hungry, they need to be fed, period. No strings attached. Um, and so I, I, um, I appreciate our charity efforts here in Alamance County. Those organizations, um, whether they be, you know, um, religiously affiliated or not, nonprofits who simply say, if you're hungry, come get food. I appreciate them. And um, uh, because uh, one thing, one thing I know to be true, when you're hungry, you can't really function. And so it's, uh, I think it's our duty as community members to make sure everybody has something to eat. And I'm also a firm believer that um, our systems have made it so that um, our, our organizations giving giving folks food who are who are hungry and challenged um, have made this a perpetual thing a never ending cycle of uh, of 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 hungry people uh, folks uh, needing sort of you know rapid response uh, food um, and we're not doing enough to find out why people are hungry in the first place. And so, um, again, it's not an either or for me. It's not, you know, either you're feeding hungry people or you're working to find out why they're hungry. It's both because uh, you, you can't strip people of uh, rapid response when they're hungry. You got to feed them. And there's so much more work. And I, what I feel like is that we've gotten into a place where we're just complacent around um, feeding people. And we put so much energy into that that we're not able to use, you know, use the tools that we have and we we're equipped with to to figure out why folks are hungry and to really begin to cut those lines down where we have less and less and less hungry people because we're working so hard on the other side to make sure folks aren't hungry in the first place. And so that again is, is big systems work. It's multiple systems. There's intersectionality there around, around that. Um, and we need to be doing it. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, when we think about, you know, food justice, um, food, food justice is when our organizations are no longer counting the heads of people, the number of people standing in line getting free food um, but those organizations may not be needed anymore because we have gotten to a place now where we are in such a place of food justice that everybody in our community has food, um, that nobody is showing up uh, to food pantries getting emergency food unless there's, you know, a real emergency when folks, and those things are going to happen. So again, I think those um, organizations are always going to be needed, but what, we, what, we've, what we've done, we've become um, dependent on on poor people, on people um, showing up, our organizations have become dependent on that uh, for grant funding, for this and that. And I know I'm probably going into more than than I'm supposed to, but I'm just going to say it. I think um, 
I, I think we do ourselves a disservice. We do our communities a disservice um, in this model that we have, um, certainly not just here in Alamance County, but all across these United States, um, you know, um, and, and, and it, it, it's not, it, it's, it's not a, uh, a fix to the, the situation. Uh, it's only further perpetuating um, this situation and not, not bringing an end to hunger. Um, so I think food justice really is situated around um, our systems coming together and, and, and working on ways um, to make sure that our citizens are taken care of when it comes to food. Um, and then with, you know, with food apartheid, we talk about, you were talking about the, um, the, you know, dollar generals in certain communities versus having fresh local foods, um, grocery stores and things like that. Um, and I think, uh, we, <laughs> I think again, we're, we're, we're seeing that, um, this is a product of racism, capitalism in our society. Um, you know, sort of the haves and the have-nots, um, sort of that historical, um, uh, the historical thing of when we talk about, you know, the, the 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 train tracks literally separating communities. You go across the train track on one side, you have food apartheid. On the other side of the train track, you have Harris Teeter and you know, store, grocery stores and, and farmers markets and all the things, right? And so I think, again, this is where truth telling really, really comes into play. We have to know our history and we have to know how these things came into being. It, it wasn't overnight that magically, oh, the railroad and all the, no, this is by design. And so that's why we call it food apartheid because this is by design that certain people historically, black folks pushed to, you know, and this is where we get those words marginalization and disenfranchisement and all those different words that we use in these circles. Um, this is where this comes from because literally folks are pushed into places where there's, you know, no support, no funding, no stores, no access, no transportation. And again, it's intersectional. So typically the folks without transportation, the folks without access, the folks without, the same folks who are hungry, right? And so we see that within all of these systems, this is how we, this is how the data begins to show that within every system institution, historically, typically black and brown folks are on the bottom, right? And so I think it's just an opportunity for us to say, how did this happen? Where did this start? How did we get this? To sit with that discomfort of our history of this country and our history here in Alamance County and begin to work on solutions to change that reality. Um, and so without that, and then again, bringing our kiddos back into it, when our kids don't know this, we now have a whole nother generation who's been, you know, I, I call it been harmed by the lack of truth and understanding in our school system. And so will this ever end? At the rate we're going, I, I, I actually have an idea that, we, you know, it would take a very, very, very long time 
for us to get out of the conundrum that we're in because we are failing our young people. Uh, you know, we could bring in other things like CRT and all this kind of stuff, but we've never taught that in our school system anyhow. So it, like we, that's really like a mute conversation when it comes to, oh, we don't want this taught in our school. Well, we haven't. Um, and there's still an element of truth and understanding that we really need to begin to impart into our young folks. Um, I'm being long-winded, um, but to say that I think everything, I think everything is around food and ag. Every issue that we see, I think it's around food and ag. And I think this is uh, a place where we can really begin to start that conversation about the history of our country, the history of Alamance County, and then weave all of the intersections in because everything we do is intersectional. There are no silos. There are no, while well, we try to create those, there's no, the education system does not work on its own. Food and agriculture is not just working on its own. All of our systems are intertwined. And how do we begin to do that intersectional work for our young people, to save our young people, to help our young people, to cultivate brilliant thinkers, to have those freedom dreamers and folks, uh, you know, evolutionary, revolutionary thinkers in elementary school, rather than when they get in their 40s and get old like me, um, where do we start? We start with our young folks. And so then when we start asking that question 20 years later, What's that food? What's your favorite food? And what's your favorite thought of food as your as a child? It's just right there. And they just come right out with it. And not only was it my thought as a child, it's my thought today because I brought that learning and understanding with me along the way. And it helped to cultivate who I am. We need to stop uh, this, this idea that we're gonna, uh, that folks are gonna come back to something what would it mean if i didn't have to come back to the land but that i had stayed connected to the land the whole time what could it mean for kindred if i hadn't didn't have that generational gap and in, in my knowledge and understanding what what would that have meant and so we start with our young people at an early age and we continue that journey oh i believe freedom is right in our hands with our young folks. I believe that imagination that can bring us into the place that we are dreaming for and we're hoping for is already here in our young people if we would cultivate it, if we would harness it, maybe in the farming world, maybe I would say, if we would harvest what we have with our young folks, it's already here and it's up to us to do it. That was, that was beautiful. And you gave, you, you perfectly, I think, situated I gave you a big jumble of, of a bunch of things. I think you situated that and gave context and really highlighted the complexity of what we're working with here. But as you said earlier, that it might seem daunting, but we can't let that stop us from doing something. Um, and, and like you said, you know, the, those life-sustaining programs, we need those, but we also have to be thinking about transforming, but also building building new systems for, for what that can look like. And, Going back to sort of the, the beginning of what you said, I, I wrote down starting small, starting with the truth and starting with hope. And I think that that perfectly kind of um, encompasses for me what, what, what it can look like for us to, to begin doing something now. And I think like you said, starting with our youth, starting, starting with this holding, holding that, holding the truth, thinking about ways that we, like you said, there, there are things that we can be doing right now that are right in our community that can have a significant impact 
not just on our students, but on our community. And I think that that's, that's something we, we have to hold and think about, think about those possibilities. So I feel like this is a beautiful um, kind of full circle moment. We started with sort of a childhood memory. And I feel like I was like, I can't let Lashana leave without talking about your tractor. You have a very special tractor. And I know that this is something that means a lot to you. I, when I think about Kindred, I think about this tractor um, and how much that, that means to you. Oh. Tractor Viney. I promise not to get emotional, but um, Viney, um, and it's spelled like Vinny, but pronounced Viney. Um, Viney was my great grandmother. Um, and um, mm, what can I say about Viney? Brilliant human. Um, child of enslaved parents, mother of six, including my grandmother. And um, what a brilliant human she was. Again, I'm fortunate and privileged and honored to have had her in my life all the way through high school. Um, she died when I was in high school. But um, Viney, taught me how to shuck corn, shell beans, um, and I hated shucking corn. I hated it as a kid, but she she made me do it. She's like, no, you're going to shuck this corn. It always had a worm in the pieces that I would have. Like, everyone I touched had, a worm, and I would be creeped out by it. Um, but I sat with her as a child on the front porch, and I shucked corn, and I shelled beans, and um, I peeled peaches, and all the things, uh, and that's what stuck with me. Um, and that what, that's what informs me when I'm in the, in the dirt, when I'm cultivating. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I guess about a year ago now, um, a friend of mine texted my husband and I and said, look, there's a tractor for sale. I know y'all doing the farm it looks like it's in really good condition. You should come down and take a look at it. We were not in the market for buying a tractor. Um, and we took a look at the tractor um, and it had been, you know, some, some repairs had been done. And, it, and, and we, we said, yeah, this, this looks like what we need at the farm. We really, we'll, we'll, we'll buy it. And so we, we purchased it. We brought it over to the farm. We took a look at it. And I said, this is tractor vining. Um, my grandmother is definitely with me. I have real deep connections with her, my great grandmother. Um, and I know she's proud of what, what I'm doing. Um, and I want to name this tractor after my, my great grandmother. So we named the tractor Viney. Um, and she cleared almost two acres for us to start planting in. She, um, she's strong, she's old, but she's strong and, um, just such deep connection. Um, uh, it, it, it just makes being there, um, even more perfect and, um, and then I get to tell stories like this. I get to, I get to remind my community that we are surrounded by 
by ancestors um, and we can tap into their wisdom and their knowledge are with us for sure. Um, and so I wanted her, I wanted her to be, to be with me. And so that's why I named the tractor vining, um, to just really honor her and remember her and think about the deep wisdom that she imparted into me. Um, and, and for the world to know that, um, like as a kid, this is the brilliant woman, um, who taught me how to love local produce and how to grow stuff and how to appreciate food and honor the food that we put on our table um, to cook it good to make it taste the way we want to taste it and that's part of our healing that's part of our journey uh certainly we talk about um you know nutrition and things in school and um you know healthy foods and all that and part of healthy foods um is, is being able to prepare them the way your ancestors prepared them, the way that you, you sat at the table as a, as a child and experienced and loved it and it was so good and so tasty. Um, that's part of it too. And so I think Viney is part of my mental wellness, um, my physical wellness, um, and, and part, of, part of the ancestors that, that keep me going on the journey. So I really appreciate you bringing in Tractor Viney um, there's photos of, of her on, on my social media and she's sitting there at the farm. So uh, whenever it warms up and folks can come out again, everybody um, can see her and love on her and know that she's, um, that she's a, a, a part of who I am and, uh, and why I'm doing this work. Well, Shauna, thank you so much for sharing that. And I can, I can see this legacy in this community that you're building for, for healing and for liberation. And I know we, we, we've said it, we've said it so many times, but I'm really, am truly just so excited for what, for what this means for our community and for healing and the, just the joy that I can see on your face when you're talking about it and you're talking about Viney and, and what that, that means to, to share that story and to have her on the land and to, to be a steward of that land. I think that that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for, for spending this time with us and sharing this story. Oh my goodness. Thank y'all so much. Um